Welcome to this podcast of the New York City Bar Association and the Asian American Bar Association of New York. In this episode, AAPI Professional Career Trajectories. Ashley Wong, an associate at Sidley Austin LLP, speaks with William Ng, the current president of Albany and shareholder at Littler Mendelssohn PC, and Terry Shen, past president of Albany and a partner at Kramer Levin Naftalis and Frankel LLP. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar or Albany. Here's Ashley Wong. Welcome and thank you for joining today's podcast. My name is Ashley Wong and I am an associate in Sidley Austin's New York office. I also serve as the vice chair of the Asian American Bar Association of New York's Corporate Law Committee. In celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, the Asian American Bar Association of New York, also known as Albany, is pleased to work with the New York City Bar Association's Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging to participate in today's podcast. Today, we've invited Albany President William Ng and immediate past president Terry Shen to share their insights on the important topic regarding advancement of AAPI leaders in the legal industry. William and Terry will share stories of their professional career trajectory and the impact of recognition. Here are some fun facts about William and Terry. William is an avid basketball player and he's very excited for his long overdue upcoming Disney trip with his family. Terry was born and raised in New York City and has also lived in London and Hong Kong and has traveled to 20 countries. He has also dined at the Playboy Mansion with Hugh Hefner and his daughter, Christy. Very interesting facts. Before we jump into the conversation, we wanted to have William and Terry tell us a little bit about themselves. Thank you, Ashley. I'm happy to join today's podcast. I currently serve as Abney president and work directly with Abney's executive director, Young Chen, and the board of directors to help run our organization. Abney is a professional membership organization of attorneys concerned with issues affecting the Asian American Pacific Islander community. As some of you may know, Abney is the largest diverse bar association in the country and the New York regional affiliate of the National Asian Pacific American Bar Association, known as NAPABA. We currently have approximately 1,400 paid members. Abney advances diversity and inclusion through professional development, legal scholarship, advocacy, and engagement of the AAPI community. I've been active with Abney since 2009 and prior to becoming president, I've served, in, I've served Abney in various leadership roles as an officer, director, and committee chair. I want to take some time now to talk about my goals as Abney president. The first goal I have is to expand Abney's participation in and influence over matters affecting the AAPI legal profession, as well as the greater AAPI community in New York. Practically, this means helping our members advance in both the private and public sector. Second, I want to continue Abney's work in the anti-Asian violence and hate. We'll be releasing our 2022 anti-Asian violence report soon. This is a follow-up to our 2021 report, which garnered worldwide attention as to the rise of hate crimes and incidents against AAPI as a, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In our report, we offer real solutions for change and advocate for reforms to help members in the AAPI community. And third, as Abney president, I want to continue to recruit new members and develop Abney's future leaders and make operational improvements to ensure that Abney's growth is sustainable and possible. My other job, I'm currently a shareholder at Littler Mendelssohn, the largest labor and law, employment law firm in the world, 
We exclusively represent management and employers in all matters involving labor and employment. Prior to joining Littler, I worked for nearly six years in the government with the New York City Corporation Counsel's Office. Hi, Ashley, Will, thank you. I'm Terry Shen, Avenue's immediate past president. I'm a partner at Kramer Levin and focus on corporate finance and mergers and acquisitions. I was also formerly an M&A investment banker at JP Morgan. In early 2021, our nation faced an urgent racial equity crisis highlighted by the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes and the Black Lives Matter movement, while in the midst of a life and death battle against the raging COVID-19 pandemic. So it was under a somber mood that I assumed the presidency of the Asian American Bar Association of New York. Difficult work lay ahead, but I knew that Abney, with its committed leadership team and diversity expertise developed over three decades, would lean into these challenges and be a formidable catalyst for positive change. In addition to the support of our members, we are grateful to have the backing of our loyal and generous sponsors. This, along with our disciplined financial management, has made Abney the most fiscally sound diverse bar association in the country, allowing us to deploy resources that have had a transformational impact. We have devoted these resources to our vital work as a full service bar association with operations spanning diversity pipeline programs, judicial diversity efforts, anti-Asian hate crime initiatives, award-winning pro bono and community services, CLE accredited educational panels, and business development and professional networking. Although Zoom has become a mainstay of our, of our activities during the past couple of years, we pursued more ways to engage our membership and strengthen our professional community. With over 25 Abney committees covering major sectors of the legal profession, we continue to offer an average of 13 events per month. We learned to host virtual galas and dinner parties, and even a virtual wine tasting led by a sommelier. Our measured approach to resuming normal operations allowed us to conduct close to half of our events in person before the COVID-19 surge at the end of 2021 suggested increased vigilance. We were encouraged that most of our in-person events were oversubscribed, reflecting strong member interest. This resilient enthusiasm within our professional community, along with our profound achievements this past year, have inspired me immensely. It has been an honor to serve Abney and a privilege to work alongside other devoted members of our leadership team. I look forward optimistically to passing the torch to Will, who I am confident will continue the important work of our distinguished organization. Thank you, William and Terry. We are happy to have the both of you speak with us during such an important month, AAPI Month. Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month recognizes and celebrates the contributions and influence of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders to United States history culture, and achievements. Asian immigrants have been integral to American history, but have unfortunately been many times forgotten and not given sufficient recognition. The AAPI population is projected to be the fastest growing major population category over the next half century. Currently, 7.3% of the U.S. population is made up of AAPI Americans. 
From 2000 to 2019, the U.S. AAPI population grew 88%, making it the fastest growing racial or ethnic group in the country. Although statistics appear to place AAPI members in a positive light in terms of representation in the various professional sectors, many AAPI employees are still portrayed as ineffective and weak managers. As you can imagine, this detrimental perspective hinders AAPI advancement in the workplace and beyond. So while it appears companies and organizations are doing relatively well in terms of recruitment of AAPIs, numbers actually show that AAPIs are leaving companies and organizations at higher rates and not advancing to senior leadership positions. During this podcast, we'll discuss the advancement of AAPI leaders within their companies and organizations and key elements of professional career trajectories for AAPIs. Let's now hear some thoughts from William and Terry. William, what does your role as president of Albany entail? Thanks, Ashley. Well, I would say the role of Albany president is is multifaceted. My primary job is to ensure that our organization is fulfilling its mission to help AAPIs in the legal field and then the greater AAPI community. And what does this mean? Um, Number one, that means sort of helping to fundraise so that our organization can continue to grow host our signature events, such as the annual dinner, our in-house wine tasting event that we have every summer, our fall conference, and our most recent uh, signature event, a Founders Day. And as part of my job as ABNY president, I help the executive director run the organization on a daily basis. The second role of the ABNY president is really advocating for the advancement of our members in all positions whether that be in the private sector, helping to assure that our associates become partners, helping our in-house attorneys rise to the level of general counsel, or even helping our government and public sector attorneys reach the highest levels in their respective organizations. The third part is really supporting various Abney initiatives, such as our pro bono clinics, our leadership development program, and our legal referral and information services. The fourth thing as Abney President is really partnering with local nonprofit organizations to support the greater AAPI community. Thank you so much, William. Lots of good stuff. Now let's turn to Terry. Terry, can you share with us some highlights while you served as president of Abney? Sure. So The pandemic required us to adapt rapidly to the shifting needs of the legal profession and community. Our anti-Asian violence task force, which continues to lead the national agenda and pioneer our collective understanding and analysis in this area, comprises a joint effort between Abney, including several of its committees, and the Asian American Law Fund of New York, a nonprofit, charitable, and educational affiliate established by us in 1993. We are proud that the recommendations of this think tank have been, have been acknowledged by national, state, and local government officials and covered by national and international media. Our hybrid pro bono clinics, community service teams, and legal referral and information service were reconfigured for the pandemic to remain effectively connected with the communities they serve. Our leadership development program, also in hybrid format, saw participants promoted to partner and senior in-house roles. 
Utilizing Avani's stature as one of New York's most vocal attorney groups, we amplified the civic dialogue in key areas of racial equity and social justice. During the early surges of anti-Asian violence last year, we were in front of the media three plus hours a day responding to their requests. CNN, the New York Times, National Public Radio, the list goes on and on. We talked about the background and solutions to this national crisis. While we had the megaphone, we decided to try to get a few more things done as well. We met with Governor Kathy Hochul to discuss increasing Asian American representation in state government and efforts to combat anti-Asian hate crimes. We have had similar discussions with Mayor Eric Adams' administration and have already seen appointments of our members to his administration. We appeared twice before the New York City Council to recommend law enforcement and funding measures to address widespread violence against Asian American victims. We proposed legislative changes to the New York State Senate to facilitate the prosecution of anti-Asian hate crimes. We met with district attorneys regarding the prosecution of attacks against Asian Americans. With some success, following these meetings, criminal charges that had been brought were upgraded to hate crimes. We also remain steadfast in covering other critical areas of equity and justice. We filed amicus briefs with the US Supreme Court against laws restricting abortion rights and with the New York State Appellate Division opposing implicit bias in the courts. We pushed for public hearings on congressional and New York State voter redistricting maps through press statements and public appearances and had one of our members successfully appointed to the New York City Districting Commission. We interviewed, vetted, and provided endorsements for numerous candidates for appointment to the federal and state judiciaries and cabinet level offices in President Joe Biden's administration. Thank you so much, Terry. Now let's move on to our second question. Can you please describe your career trajectory? When you set out on your career path, did you know you wanted to end up where you are today? William, let's hear from you. Thanks, Ashley. I would say the answer is both yes and no. Um, first, a little bit about my background. I was born in Manhattan and raised in Queens, New York. I lived in Queens for most of my entire life and attended local schools such as St. Francis Prep, SUNY Binghamton, and St. John's University School of Law. After graduating from St. John's, I had a few opportunities, but decided to work with the New York City Corporation Counsel's Office because I believed the government and the city attorney's role provided me the best opportunity to get courtroom experience and develop my litigation skills. I spent nearly six years at the Corporation Counsel's Office handling tort, negligence, civil rights cases, and then labor employment matters. While at the Corp Counsel's Office, I took and defended over 250 depositions, drafted close to 100 motions for summary judgment, prepared for dozens of trials, and selected more than 12 juries. As a young attorney, I also was able to take uh, numerous verdicts in state court. For the last two years, I managed the caseload of nearly 25 federal cases. The great thing about the law department was that we entered as a class. Um, in, the cl in 2007, I entered with 55 other attorneys, and I would say I keep in touch with most of them to this day. I then made a very seamless and easy transition to Littler. And I would say that I was able to do so because of my relationships of my friends and colleagues at St. John's within Abney and the Corporation Counsel's Office. The rest they say is history. I'm happy to chat about this more later. 
Thank you so much, William. Great stuff. Um, sounds like, you know, your relationships with Albany, St. John's um, has really propelled your career. Now let's hear from Terry. So Ashley, like Will, I'm also a native New Yorker. Coming from Stuyvesant High School, you would probably expect as I did that my professional career trajectory would be in the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, which was what Stuyvesant specialized in. There, I learned how to code before coding was even a thing using what would now be considered very rudimentary programming languages like Pascal. However, at Dartmouth, I came to two very important realizations. First, I could write. I mean, really write well. Who knew? It was an aptitude that I never focused on at Stuyvesant, but it got to the point where if I was taking a class in which written work product was a significant component of the grade, I could reliably, reliably plan to be at the top of the class. Secondly, I became fascinated with strategic and financial corporate transactions, which probably came from reading the trendy business literature at the time, like Barbarians at the Gate. Although this was very much tied to my dual majors in economics and government, I hadn't yet developed the financial modeling skills that enabled me to build the leverage buyout models spanning hundreds of spreadsheet pages that I used at JP Morgan. So when I read about or analyzed the headline deals that occurred at the time, like the Sony and Matsushita acquisitions, I modeled them using the tools that I had at the time, using game theory. So it was quite natural for me to focus on corporate law and financial services at Columbia Law School. I even took cross-registered classes at Columbia Business School in corporate finance, accounting, and financial analysis, plus Mandarin Chinese and ballroom dancing during my 3L year. I spent the early years of my career at Sullivan and Cromwell, including a two-year tour of duty to their Hong Kong office and a secondment to Goldman Sachs to work on one of their tech businesses, of all things. It was from there that I was tapped by a couple of former Goldman Sachs partners to join them as an investment banker at JP Morgan. The investment banking business was booming at the time, and they were aggressively looking to bring in professionals to help with their strong pipeline of deal flow. Their interest in me was based on my ability to lead transactions, run deal teams, manage client relationships, handling complex information flows, and communicating with various stakeholders involved in the deal process. Basically, the same core professional skills that corporate lawyers utilize. Maybe more the soft skills, because obviously, the commercial perspectives and business and financial analyses required of me as an investment banker were substantively different than the legal documentation and structuring skills that I had used as a corporate lawyer. So I joined, so I joined JP Morgan as a director, skipping over the analyst and associate ranks. The recruiting process was very different than for big law. It felt like a whirlwind and took all of two weeks. Bear in mind, I was in a great place at Sullivan and Cromwell, running a large deal team, even by their standards, and reporting directly to the head of the corporate department. I had great momentum and really wasn't looking to leave. So this is how the negotiations went with the investment banking recruiter. On the Friday before my offer came in, without any advanced notice or preparation, he asked me for my number. 
So I thought, okay, this is just a starting point for negotiation. So I quickly considered the ranges of comparable investment banking and corporate law compensation, added a premium, and gave him a wish list number, assuming that when the offer was delivered, there would be some additional back and forth. So on Monday, when the offer came in, I was stunned to see a number that was significantly above my ask with a guaranteed payout. That's the investment banking way of making an offer you can't refuse. My professional focus at JP Morgan was middle market general industries, which meant working with a lot of financial sponsors as well as strategic corporate clients. That set the stage for a very seamless transition to Kramer 11, which had strong practices in the same markets. Plus, I was able to negotiate credit for my investment banking years and an accelerated path to partnership. I've been at Kramer 11 now for 18 years, still doing corporate finance and M&A. So I guess you could say that my professional career trajectory has turned out exactly how I envisioned it. And from my perspective, it's been really great. I mean, of course, the industry is extremely demanding and requires a lot of personal sacrifice to do, to do the job, but I'm doing now what I envisioned for myself doing since I was 19, and that feels great. I certainly believe that applying oneself, developing solid skills, including communication and soft skills, and being aware of the business cycle, positioned me to be open to opportunities when they arose. Whether or not they arise is sometimes the product of being in the right place at the right time. I don't minimize that factor as an important one in my career trajectory. Better lucky than smart, as the saying goes. I think it's best to be smart and lucky. Thank you, Terry. Uh, these are both such fascinating and interesting career paths that I am sure can take up a whole podcast in itself. Now let's talk about role models. Who are some of your role models? Further, how does it make you feel to know that you are a role model to other attorneys, especially diverse junior attorneys? William, let's hear from you. Thanks, Ashley. So I would say my first role models are, are my parents. They certainly have sacrificed so much to give me so many opportunities to succeed. But in, in terms of the, in the legal industry, uh, what I would say is role models, I've been so fortunate to personally know every single Abney president since 2003 and many of the Abney founders. They have all been instrumental to my career and I subscribe to the viewpoint that everyone should have a personal board of directors that you can go to when you have questions and issues and just need career advice. At Littler, I've been also very fortunate to have a very terrific mentor in Jennifer Robinson, who is the office managing shareholder for our Nashville office. And more locally, Janine Conley-Daves and John Bauer of our New York City and Long Island offices have been mentors, friends, and terrific colleagues. With respect to being a role model for others, um, it's great to know that I can help inspire junior attorneys to do more in their career while also giving back to organizations such as Abney. I've been around Abney and other bar associations for a while. For example, I, I formerly helped to lead the Joint Minority Bar Judicial Internship Program, which later merged with the Sonia and Selena Sotomayor Judicial Internship Program. In this internship program, we helped place diverse law students with, with federal and state clerkships around New York City. In addition, early into my tenure with Abney, I served as the co-chair of the Student Outreach and Young Lawyers Committee. As the 
student outreach committee co-chair, we did roadshows to the New York law schools to promote Albany. So now every, every now and then, a junior attorney will tell me a story of how they remembered what I said at a particular event or program. And all of these folks have gone on to have terrific careers at law firms, in the government, or in an in-house positions. So it's very fulfilling to me to think that I might have helped them along the way. Thank you, William. I love that bit about the personal board of directors. We should all be taking notes and you know, accumulate our own personal board of directors as well. It's fantastic to hear that you've accumulated such inspiring role models, and now you um, have given back so much as well. Let's turn to Terry. What about you in terms of you know, who are your role models and how does it feel to be one? So a little bit differently than Will, my mother was a mainframe programmer and my father was an architect. So unfortunately, neither of them had enough familiarity with corporate law or financial services to serve as a useful professional resource given my career trajectory. The role model that has had the biggest influence in my career is Tom Constance, Kramer Levin's chairman. He was one of the very first partners that I met when I interviewed with the firm. Shortly after I joined the firm, Tom took a chance on me by asking me to work closely with a core team of partners for one of the most important clients of the firm at that time, Bear Stearns. In addition to being my colleague for the past 18 years, I regard him as my good friend. Our families also know each other and can always pop my head in to talk about anything at all. A professional question regarding a banking client, golf, politics, gossip, even our evening commutes home. More importantly, I have the privilege of sitting in the office next to his. I've seen how he handles his business, his clients, his management role, his working relationships and friendships. He's led two law firms in his long and illustrious career and has seen it all. I've watched him handle the best and worst of our competitive industry with honor and poise. I've discussed values and ethics with him. I've listened to him describe how he learned to thrive professionally and the lessons he inherited from his mentors, some of which he's passing down to me the professional circle of life, I guess. Maybe it's my turn to serve as a role model. I'm happy to represent another incremental data point in the increasing number of senior Asian American professionals. I think we all agree we need more. To this extent, it's been rewarding to me personally to have served as a faculty member of Abney's leadership development program since its inception three years ago and to have seen many of its participants succeed. Thank you, Terry, for such a lovely anecdote. And it's not surprising that many juniors view you as a role model. Speaking of juniors, what is some advice you can offer to junior associates looking to advance themselves? Let's start with William. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Ashley. So I have a lot of thoughts on how junior associates looking to advance in their careers, and, and I wanted to offer my feedback on what they can do now to help them. Um, I would summarize it by saying, think strategically, speak to others, and plan ahead. So as to that first bullet, my advice is for junior associates to th be thinking about strategically, what do they want to do? Or if they don't know what they exactly, what type of practice they wanna do, to talk to as many people 
about how they got to where they are today. Junior associates have to define what happiness and success means to them. The second thing I would, I would recommend is um, specialize in the practice area. While you should be open to new experiences, you should also have to be true to yourself about what type of work and what type of work environment fits your strengths and personalities. I'm of the viewpoint that specializing in a particular practice is most helpful for your career growth. My third suggestion is to plan, plan, and plan. You should not just lie to another law firm because you're unhappy at your current firm. You should really be thinking about what it is that you want to do and how it is you are going to get there. And if it means taking an indirect route to get there, I think that's something that you should consider and plan ahead for. The last thing I, I wanted to say on this point was, you know, to bet on yourself. If you're not sure you can do something, do it anyway. There's never going to be a good time. And if you're put in a position where you need to bet on yourself, I say you will win most of the time. Love that. Thank you so much, William. Now let's hear from Terry. One of the key elements that has propelled me in my career has been my alliances. So many of us know that investment banking is a volatile industry. Some would euphemistically characterize it as an efficient labor market. The head of our team at JP Morgan, Jeff Boisey, went on to become the vice chair of the Global Investment Bank. So as we saw bankers come and go with the business cycle, Jeff made sure that our group stayed in good standing throughout. John Mead, the head of the corporate department at Sullivan and Cromwell, was an important relationship partner for Goldman Sachs. So for me, even as a mid-level associate, I was reporting directly to him. He was very helpful in supporting me during my secondment to Goldman and arranged for Sullivan and Cromwell's resources to be at my disposal to make it successful. And of course, Tom Constance, who invited me to join some of the most important deal teams at Kramer Levin and operated behind the scenes to sponsor my election to partnership, uh, I've already mentioned. Uh, and you know he has done an enormous amount to help in the success of my career. You know, I just want to make a comment that's you know probably self-evident, but these alliances that I've had that have been instrumental in my career were all middle-aged white men, you know, and as a diverse bar association, we are hoping that going forward in the future, we can improve that situation where perhaps someday for people who are still up and coming in career, we can offer more diverse options than what I had and what I had experienced. Thank you both for sharing such practical advice and personal anecdotes. As a junior myself, I am actually a first year law firm associate. I truly appreciate all these nuggets. Now, let me end this conversation with a question that many attorneys like myself are wondering. Obviously, all of us are hardworking attorneys, lawyering away, but what else can we do to get more involved? Let's start with William. What are some ways in which diverse attorneys can uplift and make a difference within their communities? Thanks, Ashley. I think that's a great question. And I think my advice would be do something, do anything. In my opinion, to make a difference, diverse attorneys simply need to genuinely care about helping others. And again, do something, anything. There's no project that's too big or too small. 
if that means volunteering for a small project, but then working your way up to larger projects, um, I think that makes most sense. Hopefully, by the time you're taking on larger responsibilities in whatever you do, any of the work that you will be doing will be enjoy- enjoyable and meaningful. And for junior attorneys, um, this can mean speaking at your law school career panels, participating in mock interview resume workshops for diverse law students, attending alumni events, organizing um, CLE and social programs, or volunteering for pro bono clinics. And all of these types of events can be done through Abney, which we encourage you to join. And I think you'll notice right away that you're making a difference for others in your communities. Thank you, William. These sound like great next steps that all of us can easily jump on. Now let's hear from Terry. So as you know, being a lawyer is more than functioning as a cog in a machine, you know, sitting in one's office, cranking out work product in the black box and delivering it. Uh, Being a lawyer requires professional presence as well. It's part and parcel of one's career. And so professional presence means, you know, being out there and being part of the larger community. And as Will mentioned, that can take many different forms. And I'll speak to Abney for now. So Abney is a professional community with a vastly diverse range of offerings, making it, you know, pretty much a full service organization. So we hope that people will find you know, their own interests here, their own niche here. And more so than that, you know, in terms of fostering professional presence, Abney, I think, is a safe space for networking. Um, You know, as a lawyer, you come to Abney, you engage in our events, you, you chip in on projects that might interest you, and the people that you meet, the conversations that you have, the networking that you do, you know, it's, not in front of your colleagues, it's not in front of your, your peers, it's not in front of your clients. It's a safe space for building a professional presence where you have more room to be yourself, uh, more room to, to find your own interests without having to you know, always worry about the specific professional implications of what you say or what you do. And I've found personally, Abney, to be a community based on real friendships. The people that I've met here are the people who I wanna spend my weekend time with. You know, So not only are we collaborating to do some very important work, which both Will and I spoke about earlier during the podcast, but we're doing it with people who are driven, intelligent, share our vision, share our common interests. You know, that is a great basis for professional presence and networking. And lastly, I'll say, even if you don't have a lot of time, you know, I know, for example, Ashley, you as a junior associate, the demands on your time can be extraordinarily heavy. There are still benefits to joining. You know, there are, there are options that are constantly available at Abney. And even if there are periods of time when professionals can't devote a lot of time to the organization, The statistics, the membership statistics, which Will discussed earlier, will allow Abney to more effectively engage at the institutional level and advocate. 
Thank you, William and Terry, for your time and willingness to share your thoughts on AAPI leadership. We truly appreciate your wise words and insight. What a treat to hear from you two today. And everyone, if you ever run into either gentleman at an Abini event, please stop them and chat with them. They have a lot of wise words. Thank you, New York City Bar, for this wonderful opportunity. This is truly an important topic, and we are confident this discussion will continue to evolve as the AAPI landscape continues to change. To conclude, I would encourage everyone to look at Albany's calendar at albany.org, where you can find over an average of 13 events per month. Even during the pandemic, Albany provided services like the hybrid pro bono clinic where attorneys volunteered their time to provide housing, unemployment, immigration, rent relief, and small business assistance to communities in need. On the calendar, you can also find fun events like a recent comedy show and an ongoing local Asian restaurant series. You can eat food and support um, local businesses and meet new Albany members. A few upcoming events include the in-house council committee's summer soiree and Albany's annual fall conference. Thank you all again for tuning in. Stay safe and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the City Bar Podcast of the New York City Bar Association. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar or Albany. Find more City Bar Podcasts and program audio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or at our website at nycbar.org slash podcasts. This podcast was produced and edited by Alex Cardaris and Eli Cohen.